Hello, everyone. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Elias Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some music while we allow people to jump on with us. Let me get back to where I was. And here is Kevin Lemons and Higher Calling featuring Lawrence Flowers. Hallelujah, you are worthy. Remix one. <laughs> That's the title. We appreciate you being here this morning. Ronnie, good morning. Thanks for being here with us online. Thank you so much. Dion, good morning. We appreciate you. We have to remind our friends online that when they're waiting for us to go online to refresh their feed so they'll see us at 9.30 a.m. Good morning. Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. I know it's sunny where you are. <laughs> it is 36 degrees here right now. Anitra, good morning. We appreciate you being here. Mrs. Gaines, good morning. Amen. Amen. Almost time for Sunday school. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it very much. If I can get about 30 more people to jump on your feet real quick, say it out for me. Amen. Amen. And good morning to everyone here in our live audience right here, too, as well. Everybody online can hear me, correct? Jackie, good morning. I think they can. Good morning, good morning. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Coffee. Mandatory. Great, thank you. The mics on the uh, iPhones are pretty good now. They are pretty good. Don't have to worry about it. The day after Veterans Day, Happy Veterans Day to all of those who served. We appreciate you very much.
Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. that there. That's a rendition of Kevin Lemons and Higher Calling featuring Lawrence Flowers singing Hallelujah, You're Worthy. And they're calling it a remix. I said, okay, remix. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you being here this morning. We do have a few announcements because we have some uh, new things we're doing here in church uh, today uh, in addition to the normal uh, procedure. Well, actually a couple of new things because we uh, are, are moving the, the ladies' men's ladies' cell group to today. It's normally on the third Sunday, but we got Thanksgiving week coming up next week, which I cannot believe we're saying as we have Thanksgiving week next week. Um, that is crazy. But uh, nonetheless, we have um, a message today on missional living, which we're going to be, uh, uh, I'll be bringing the message today in church for that topic, missional living. And we will be starting uh, prior to that, just before the worship service and right after Sunday school, we'll be starting our prayer ministry. Uh, we will be doing that twice a month uh, between Sunday school and church time. And we will be retreating to a room uh, in the back of the building here where we will be able to sit and pray together for about a few minutes, um, just as a way to start lifting up our church and lifting up topics, people, Issues, whatever it is that comes to mind with the the group of people who have volunteered to be in the prayer ministry. We'll be doing that right after Sunday school today. So for those of you here in this immediate vicinity, you're welcome to join us. Um, if you are inclined to do so uh, in the back room and if we need more room, we'll we'll figure it out because uh, we have a room that has about eight chairs in it. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, the men's and ladies cell group will be meeting this afternoon at five o'clock. 
Um, that will be the last meeting for the fall uh, before we break and then we get back together again in the spring. So uh, please, if you are in that uh, group, uh, please make sure that you come back and visit with us at 5 o'clock today for that. And finally, just as a reminder, to please remember your tithes and offerings. We value your prayerful consideration, uh, worship through giving. Uh, we pray that you will just uh, uh, keep in mind that those things that need to be done for the church, we do require money to do that. So your generosity in that is appreciated as well as uh, any benevolent ministries that we have uh, in store as well, too. If you are mailing your tithes or offerings, uh, for those of you who are not here at church, um, you can mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you giving it consideration, prayerful consideration. And Greg and Caroline, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate you being here. Um, and I believe those are all the announcements. I wanted to make sure I covered those things, but... Specifically, right after Sunday school, remember that we do have a prayer ministry that we're starting today. And second, and right now it's the second and fourth Sunday. So we'll see how that all works out. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go ahead and get into the Word a little bit and talk about a very um, sensitive time in Scripture. Of course, it's the time when in the book of John we're covering uh, just prior to the crucifixion of Jesus and the activity that takes place. But what we're going to see here is dialogue that takes place between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And remember, we had set this up before by stating that Pontius Pilate was one of those individuals that was thrust into the scene as the governor. He had authority and he did have the ability to uh, acquit or condemn uh, individuals. But the more that Pilate got into this and the more that he was involved with it, he, he was absolutely terrified. And the word says so. Uh, but we'll get into that and kind of look at the psychological impact that's taking place here as well um, for us to recognize here. But we appreciate um, all of your prayers when it comes to uh, ministry and church. We have a, a number of people who are still down, have not been able to get back to church the way we would like to see. We've got a lot of individuals who, I shouldn't say a lot, but we have a few individuals that um, we're just going to keep in contact with, and that's part of why we're doing a prayer ministry. We have to recognize the importance of that. So by all means, uh, let's go ahead and get started and get involved with God's Word allowing us to calm ourselves and quiet ourselves to allow the spirit to speak and that includes me amen let's go ahead and pray father thank you for this time that you have given to us to truly seek you now and hear and understand what you have to say to us we thank you for your loving kindness and your presence lord we thank you for how you have always kept your promises and you have promised to never abandon us or leave us. And Lord, we thank you that in doing that, you show your love for us. And because of that love, you are indeed a God who wants to ensure that we are following your commands and looking to you in all things. And we have to remind ourselves sometimes that the words that you give to us are indeed commands because those commands are good for us. And we thank you. And we just now implore upon you to just speak to us and touch us as we go. 
And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And electronic issues. Let's see where we're at. Turn your Bibles, electronic devices, to John chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. John chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. This is the section um, about where Jesus is, has been delivered for his crucifixion. And essentially, we can say this without any shadow of a doubt, it's leading up to the time where Jesus is completing his mission on earth. He is completing the purpose of what, what he was supposed to do when he came to us. And we're going to read verses 1 through 15 of John chapter 19. And it's a tough reading, but we all know what's going to happen. But we'll go into it in a little bit more detail as we go. Let's start with verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your own version. Uh, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Verse 5, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. Verse 7, the Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you? Or crucify you. Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him. But the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priests shouted back. Okay, that is John chapter 19, verses 1 through 15. And basically next week when we get back together again, we're going to be talking about the crucifixion. But this is all the dialogue leading up to this particular time. And let's go over this a little bit because I want you to understand something about some of the details here and recognize Something is very interesting, especially as I was doing research about this. Let's go back to the top. Verse one. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tipped whip. Now. For those of you who happen to see the passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie, you pretty much will have all the graphic 
stuff that you need to understand what it means to be flogged by a a lead-tipped whip and what it does. Because essentially, every time you get hit by that whip, it tears the flesh on your body. It's uh, because of the weights of the, the metal involved. And there was a limitation even in... Uh, in uh, Hebrew law about how often you can uh, flog someone because you literally could be killed by being flogged, but the limit is 40 lashes. And that's that's somewhere back in Leviticus. We're not going to turn to that. It's it's just something that I'm just going to ask you to take. Well, not pardon me. It's in Deuteronomy 25, 3. That's where that is. You just make a note of that. I'm not going to turn to that necessarily, but that's what's permitted according to Jewish law, if there is someone is being reprimanded. Now, having said that, we need to understand that you can look at the account of the crucifixion, the events leading up to it in Matthew chapter 27, in Mark chapter 15, and Luke chapter 23, and they all have the same message. Jesus went to the cross for our sins. But the one thing that is common in all of these writings in the New Testament The commonality here is that they don't get into the gory details as to what's taking place. Because all John is doing mentioning here is that Pilate had been, you know, Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip because Pilate was actually getting trying to get him released. And he was going to try and make sure that that was the only punishment for Jesus. That's a pretty significant punishment, though, uh, if you really look at it. And remember, he is innocent and Jesus is going to the cross and he's making mention of this. But a lot of the gory stuff is left out. Let's go to verse 2. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Now let's understand something about the flogging portion and what the soldiers were doing. First of all, the soldiers went above and beyond what they were really supposed to do. This additional mocking is something that they took a lot of liberties with. Um, and it's even hard to talk about sometimes just thinking about it. But. It, it, it bears all the more significance to understand what Jesus did for us. Knowing that he was going to face this mocking, face these beatings, the whippings, the slapping. That lead-tipped whip, that meant there was blood that was shed right at that moment as well, too. And there are other agonies that he's going to experience. When the soldiers went... Beyond their orders to whip Jesus, they did it. And they also mocked his authority by putting that crown of thorns on his head. What happens when you put a crown of thorns on the head? It's going to be very painful. And try not to let your imagination go too crazy here. But um, the royal robe was on his shoulders as well, too. And the the Roman soldiers used to play a game where they would put a head covering over the person who was being punished where they couldn't see. And the Roman soldiers would stand around this person and one of the Roman soldiers would then haul off and just hit the guy like a roundhouse punch or something. 
just hit him in the head or hit him in the face. And then they would take that head covering off of the person who was being punished and ask that person, who was the one who hit you? And they would repeatedly do this. And these are the types of things we need to understand about what Jesus had to endure. I want you to take a look at a passage. Um, go to Isaiah 52, 14. Isaiah 52, 14. While the New Testament accounts of Jesus do not go into too much of the gory details, they do. We do see references in the Old Testament of what Jesus would endure because these are all prophetic messages, right? So in Isaiah 52, of course, Isaiah is laced with prophecy about Jesus Christ. But in Isaiah 52, verse 14, now I'm going to be reading just so you know from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. So don't let that throw you off. But verse 14, just follow along in your version. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a, a look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being. Now, what this implies is that Jesus, after his abuse that he has received, or after the beatings, after the floggings, he was so disfigured. He didn't look like a man. He didn't look like himself. He didn't look like anything other than a bloody pulp. And so we don't want to go overboard with this, but we need to understand that he was so marred. And it was something that Martin, let's just say, mutilated in the process of him going to the cross. We were spared this extra detail here in the account. We just know the actions that took place. And all of the Gospels corroborate the actions that took place. And the fact that he was being mocked because of his claim of being king of the Jews. We have to understand something, too. Even though those actions were pretty bad, pretty severe. God knows the hearts of every person, and we can come and come back and conclude with this as well, too, that do we not mock Jesus if we don't recognize who he is as Lord and Savior? We're not beating him, but we are mocking him. We are disregarding him. We're showing that what he did was not important at all. And so I want to make sure that we recognize that as well, too. I was telling my watch to calm down. I was actually getting ready to scan what I just said. But we need to make sure that we understand that this was a very, very severe beating that he took. But he was able to stand before Pilate and keep speaking truth. And keep talking about truth. Back to the top of the passage. I'll read John 19.4 again because it's continuing with this, this, what's being said. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Now, Pilate makes it a, 
John makes it a point to get Pilate's dialogue here and, and make very clear assertions as to what he thinks. Clearly, I find him not guilty. Understand this. And this is also important for us to see, too. Pilate's not a friend of Jesus. Pilate doesn't care much for having any involvement in the situation. But he is trying to be just incredibly in this situation. Of course, we know he's not going to continue with that. He's going to be pressured. He's going to succumb to the pressure of the very people that he's talking to, the Jews. Verse 5, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. What an image that must have been. Verse 6, when they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. He's going to say this several times. Several times he's going to say it. And then verse 7, the Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. So here's where the religious leaders, remember, you're bringing up guy and, and you're trumping up charges on him. Calling him a blasphemer. The religious leaders had not brought Jesus to Pilate because he was causing rebellion against Rome, which was the original way they tried to position it. But now it was because they had broken, he had broken their religious laws. And at the end of the day, he didn't break any laws. They were just using it as an excuse to have him crucified. Remember, we've established this throughout reading the book of John. The religious leaders wanted Jesus dead. And they were going to go to any means necessary, whether by trying to trick him or trying to get him to say something he shouldn't have said, which he never did, by the way. He was always given giving an honest account of who he was and what the even the Jewish leaders needed to know and hear. But they denied Jesus. They did not want him around. They knew that Jesus being around would ruin their ability to uh, lead and ironically, Jesus came not to lead, but to be a servant. But to be a servant. But blasphemy is one of the most serious crimes in Jewish law. It did deserve the death penalty. And there were others that came before Jesus who suffered that fate. You know, all the people who are false prophets today. I wonder what they have to deal with when they finally leave here. They're not going to come under this Jewish law, but they're going to come under God's authority. That's for sure. And the one thing that we typically do as human beings, guess what we want to do? We want to pass judgment against other people. One of the things that I did participate in yesterday was a peacemaking conference. I went to uh, over at uh, Freshwater Church in Wadsworth. It's a conference about peacemaking. 
One of the worst things that we can do as human beings is we, we wound up, wind up judging people. We wind up judging them in such a manner where it leads to sin. And what we have to be very conscious of is that there's only one judge. There's only one judge. I'm not necessarily referring to how you make a judgment when you're walking down a dark alley and you're looking at your surroundings and you're seeing people out there who kind of look like they're up to no good or they're, they have nefarious behaviors that they're involved in. You should be making judgments to keep yourself safe in those scenarios. The judgments I'm referring to have more to do with what, honestly, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who didn't like Jesus they had made a judgment. They didn't like this guy, so they're just going to run him, run him through the ringer, and they want him killed. So they tried to accuse Jesus of treason in order for this case to have credibility before the Romans. Because the Romans, they don't want anybody coming up against them or causing a rebellion. The Roman, there, there were not a lot of Roman soldiers around there. They didn't have a whole fortification. So any uprising or anything that would take place, they would deal with that very severely. Whatever group of soldiers they had there, they would deal with that very severely and quickly to make sure that nothing got out of hand. But they didn't care. These Jewish leaders didn't care what accusation Pilate listened to. They just wanted his cooperation in getting Jesus rubbed out. Eliminated. So that's why this dialogue was continuing going back and forth. I'm going to read verse 7 again. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die. It's even weird how it's even stated. By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. And then verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. It's like, what am I in up to my neck on right now? More frightened than ever. So he said this. He was, he, pardon me. The leader said that while Jesus was standing out with Pilate. And then he took him back inside. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. And we need to understand something here, too. Jesus gave no answer. Jesus is in complete control of what's going on. We have reiterated this over and over again because we want to emphasize this is that he is in complete control. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows what he was going to endure. Why do you think Jesus was praying so hard in the garden? Who wants to look forward to getting whipped who wants to be beaten basically to a pulp? He knew what he was facing. But Jesus was in control, not Pilate, not the religious leaders. The scenario was set. The scene was set for these people to be in place to make sure that it was very clear that Jesus was going to go to the cross, but he didn't do anything. He was innocent. Jesus remained composed. 
Go back to verse 10 again. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? Look at verse 11. The only dialogue that we see Jesus talking about here in this passage. Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. If I'm Pilate right now, I'm freaking out. I mean, you're freaking out. There's no way in the world. Psychologically, all this stuff is coming at him. He's looking at an innocent man. He knows he's innocent. He knows what's going on here. He knows that the Jewish leaders are trying to railroad Jesus and get him put on the cross. But I'd be freaking out because of what Jesus said, because you better believe Pilate understood exactly what was being said here. You don't have any control over what's going on here. But your actions. Are still sinful. You're still acting in a sinful manner. But the people who put you over. To put me in this position, they have the greater sin. And if I were Pilate, I'd be scared to death. I'd be freaking out. Remember, his wife already warned him, don't bother this man. So I'm going to say at first, I wasn't sure how much he listened to her. That was in the other account we read last week. But he must have heard something there. Because once again, after this, you know, the, and, and, and understand the Jewish leaders, I don't, I'm sorry for jumping around a little bit. I want to make sure I'm covering all the points before I go on. Caiaphas and the other leaders were guilty of a greater sin because they were guilty of Jesus's premeditated murder. We hear these words sometimes when we watch these crime shows, these police shows, premeditated murder. Someone's murder has been planned ahead of time. That's exactly what it was. Planned ahead of time. Back to verse 12. Then Pilate tried to release him. <laughs> Once again, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. Well, now they're really messing with him because they're now trying to th- make a veiled threat that. Pilate had better take care of business or we're going to report you're behind to Caesar. Because you're elevating yourself above Caesar. You're no friend of Caesar. Remember, the whole accusation of this thing about rebellion was taking place. And we wanted to make sure that that was being carried out. Well, if you don't do what he's supposed to be, you're just as much of a rebel as he is. And that was... Another thing that Pilate was facing here, he was concerned. Pilate's responsibility as governor was to keep the peace. Keep the peace. That would be the case for any governor, anybody who's in authority. What happens when something starts to get out of hand? The governor has the ability to call out the National Guard to make sure that whatever is being dealt with, There is an army there, an army of people to make sure business is being taken care of. And Pilate's job was to make sure that that peace would be maintained. Because we know the Romans and Jews just didn't get along with each other. 
We got that, and we understand that. But Pilate was now afraid that these Jewish leaders would get to Caesar and say there's insurrection taking place there. That's what one thing you don't want to have get up to where Caesar is. So here's where we come to a crossroads. Because it comes right down to it, and we have to come back to even our own fleshly nature. It's very easy to be critical of people that we read about in Scripture. But we, make sure, we need to make sure we take that critical look and now refocus it back to who you are. Turn to James chapter 4. I want you to look at a passage. James chapter 4. And prayerfully, this is the passage I'm looking for. Yes, James four. Let's look at. Let's just read verses 15 to 17. Let's use context here. I don't mind reading the one passage, but let's let's lead up to this. And it's in the section of the Bible where it says our will and God's will, because we need to make sure that we're very clear about this when it comes to why we have to always take the position What is God's will? It's much more important than our will. If we love Jesus, we will make sure that we're praying and and seeking after him as to what his will is for our life and how we live. Verse 15, James chapter 4. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Now, you need to chew on that one, masticate on that one, because Paul has said in the word as well, too, you know, I know what it is to do this, how to do good, but I just don't do it sometimes. I live in such a manner where I know what's good, but I just don't. Do it. And guess what? That is you and me. I'll start with myself, me, myself and I. And then it's everybody else in this room knows exactly what I'm referring to. And everybody online, too, because we know that we have. We have a desire to live for the Lord, but sometimes we just don't fulfill that desire. Sometimes we just do things that are sinful. And that's why we always want to take pause and look at what Jesus did for us on the cross. He went to the cross before we even knew about love. He loved us before we understood what love was. He loved us in spite of ourselves and went to the cross for us anyway. And so... That's Pilate's dilemma. He has an option to do what's right and insist, in spite of the pressures of the Jewish leaders, in spite of what they brought before him. He tried to get them to take Jesus, but they took Barabbas. 
And now they're threatening to basically rat him out to Caesar and say, well, you're part of the rebellion, too. Verse 13. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It's literally a physical location that is probably still out there today at the temple. It's just like a rounded bench. It's just a bench area. But it's used as a judgment seat because that's when declarations are being made as judgment, either guilty, not guilty, that that the authorities would use. So, of course, it's a familiar place. It's making reference to a platform in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And the stone pavement was part of the Tower of Antonia. It was on the northwest. It was bordering the northwest corner of the temple complex. So it's a real location. But the emphasis is not so much on the location. It's more the emphasis on what was taking place. Once he uses that and sits down, he's making a judgment at that point. Verse 14, it was now about noon on the day of the preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Again, last chance. Verse 15, away with him, they yelled, away with him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It's only one time. (laughs) I read it twice. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. Well, now they pretty much sealed their fate. Because they've made a public declaration that they don't believe in the king of the Jews. They don't believe in any authority other than that of Caesar. God is not the king they look to. Remember this whole thing about the Israelites demanding that they have a king. This went back to the time of Samuel. Where they were, they wanted to be like other nations and they wanted to have kings in their authority like the other nations had. Where God was being there was supposed to be their king. But this this behavior, this this whole effort to just not have any concern about God's will. It's all about what they want. And they were so convicted. We are only king is Caesar. And they determined at that point. There's no going back on this. They would much rather claim claim allegiance to Rome of all things in order to kill the Messiah. They've abandoned not only all trace of loyalty to any authority, the chief priests, they would much rather come up under Caesar. In a lot of ways, I just thought of this. In a lot of ways, that's just saying I would just much much rather follow Satan. I would much rather just go after Satan. I would much rather be he's our father. And Jesus already warned us that warns us in in Scripture about what it is. You've made a decision that you want to follow your father, the devil. You don't want to have anything to do with God or anything that he's telling you. In spite of what the scriptures are saying, you're living exactly opposite of that. You are not following what God is teaching. 
We have no king but Caesar. And, you know, they're just saying those words. They may not actually want to follow Caesar, but they basically made a commitment. And so Pilate, frankly, was ready to wash his hands of the whole thing. There are other accounts where he just gets a basin of water, washes his hands of the matter, to try to say, I'm not going to be guilty of this. I have nothing to do with this. You guys do whatever you want to do with him. And that was his way of showing symbolism that I don't have anything to do with this anymore. But he could have acquitted him. He chose not to. That's the flaw. And you have to understand that I'll be actually talking about this in the message today. There are sins that are conscious that a lot of people participate in, but there's also a sin of indifference. If you know what's right and you don't do it, that's still sin. And that's what Pilate is ultimately guilty of. He has to take ownership of that. He is he is reckoning with that. But understand that it was pressure. A threat of being ratted out to Caesar that he couldn't keep things under control. He just bagged it, didn't do what he was supposed to do. I want you to look at one more passage and we'll close out. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. And so we see some lines that have been drawn here. And they're lines that we have to pay attention to. You know how we try to, you know, sometimes in the midst of sin, we'll, we'll say there's a gray area here. There's a we, we can sometimes make an excuse and say that. Um, just try to make it ambiguous because it would fit. Basically, your own will and how you're going. Matthew chapter 12. Sorry about that. Go to verse 30. This verse does speak for itself. Matthew 12, verse 30. These are Jesus's words. Anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not gather with me scatters. That sentence stands on its own. Anyone who is not with me is against me. You're either all in with Jesus or you're not. You're either all in. And if you're not all in with him, guess what? You are just all over the place. You're following whatever God in your life, you're following whoever it is, but it's not Jesus, it's somebody else or something else. And there's a lot of things out there that distract people from following Jesus Christ. Now understand something too about this time. It's hectic. I think I've said before, this is a time during this crucifixion, it's chaotic, it's crazy, it's insane. The dialogue taking place back and forth, there's probably shouting going on. We, we don't, you know, it's very clear 
that Satan has stirred things up in the hearts of those people involved. And sometimes Pilate may have been one of those people who just doesn't do well with a lot of pressure. It's just a guess. He didn't handle this very well. He had the authority and he basically gave it up. Rather than acquitting Jesus, he let him go. Washed his hands of the matter. I'm not going to say anything else about it. He was indifferent. He was indifferent in the outcome. But it still comes down to a very key thing here. Either you're with Jesus or you're not. Just because you wash your hands of the matter doesn't mean that you still don't have the guilt the sin that comes from indifference. All in or nothing. So Jesus, again, was in complete control, knew that he would be rejected, knew that he would be going to a cross. We'll be getting into that more next week. But recognize that, and and that's right, fear will make you do stuff that you don't want to do. Absolutely. But where does fear come from? Does fear from come from God? We're talking about reverence, not that kind of fear. We're talking about fear as in what Satan generates. Faith is the opposite of fear. Faith. Look at this account. Pray about it. Pray that the Lord speaks to you about how pride The pride of Pontius Pilate had a lot to do with the events that took place here and how we need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to not be prideful. Pride is what causes us to sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the teaching that you put forth to us. Bless us now, Lord. We thank you again for your presence today and showing us about this lesson the dynamic of what was taking place between Pilate and the Jewish leaders. And Jesus making it very clear, you wouldn't have any authority if it wasn't for the fact that it was given to you from heaven. Because God's in control of everything. And Lord, we thank you for being in control. I can't even comprehend worshiping a God that is not in control of anything. A God of chaos. Can't conceptualize that. You're a God of order. You're a God that helps us to understand as we seek after you the events of what took place before Jesus went to the cross. Bless this time now, Lord. Help us to be fervent in prayer and seeking you. That we may hide the word in our heart that we don't sin against you. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We appreciate you being here today. Uh, stay tuned later online uh, for our live broadcast from this page um, following at about 11 o'clock. You guys take care of yourselves. Thanks online, everybody, online community. We appreciate you. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.